0: Father, we thank you for the prayers that have been prayed, the songs that have been sung, for those that have taken time out of their schedule to come and spend time with us in celebrating all that you are in our lives. And now as we prepare to look into your word, we ask that our hearts and minds will be focused and that we will gain uh, great insight into how to live in a way that reflects your glory to all that we encounter. We thank you for this opportunity, God, and thank you for your presence being here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We are on episode number three of our series, Nehemiah, God Rebuilds Us. Uh, I hope that you have your notebooks from last time because we have more notes to take. Because I believe that where we are right now is a very significant part for us to have victory when trying times come and attack us. The whole premise of us using this Nehemiah God Rebuilds Us theme was to look at how Nehemiah helped to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, but also looking at how we as people have been destroyed because of society and things that we've gone through and how this rebuilding process for ourselves has some similarities to the things and the techniques that Nehemiah used in order to rebuild Jerusalem. Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, the first through the fifth verses, again, are going to be our highlight verses for today. And it says, Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Tobiah the Amorite was beside him, and he said, Yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone walls." And then Nehemiah says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunts on their own heads, and give them up to be plundered in the land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt, and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. And last week we started talking around the subject that there are people that will not like you having changed who you serve, they are not going to like the fact that you changed how. You want to do business for the rest of your life. And last week we talked about some folks will come and mock you. Some folks will ridicule you. And we talked about how some folks will conspire and plot against you. And then we talked about the contingency, the things that we should have in place in order to have victory over those type of situations. Y'all remember that? If you don't remember it, You know, you can go to the YouTube site and you can listen to it again. (laughs) That's one of them shameless plugs, huh? All right. Now, this week, I want us to continue along this track. And the next area that I want to talk about that will come against us or try to attack us is the areas of discouragement and fatigue. The area of discouragement and fatigue. Now, discouragement is the act of disheartening or depriving of courage, the act of deterring or dissuading from an undertaking, or the act of depressing confidence. So discouragement is an act of putting you down, taking away your courage from something that you're trying to do or something you're trying to achieve. Discouragement is something that happens quite frequently. In the marketing arena, they try to tell you on the commercial that you're not really a man if you don't wear these clothes. In the area of marketing, they'll try to tell you that you're not all this good if you don't have this item. That is a trying to make you feel like because you don't have this, then you're not all that you should be. So discouragement comes at us from all directions, all angles. It's just a part of who we are. But after certain amounts of time, you come to this next little part, which is fatigue. Now, I know some of us in the old days heard of fatigues. We thought about arming uniforms and things, a specific type of uniform, but this is a different type of fatigue. This fatigue is a weariness from bodily or mental exertion. A weariness from bodily or mental exertion. Fatigue. You've been doing something. You've been trying to move forward. You've been working on something, and you just sometimes feel tired. Now, I know y'all do the governmental thing and eat the right amount of fruits and vegetables, and, and you do all the things that they say to make you have a healthy body. So you may not have fatigue. But some of us that don't eat right and don't drink the right amount of water and don't do everything that we're supposed to do, we get a little tired. Some of us that don't work out the way that we're supposed to work out get a little weary. Now, not only in the body, but some of us go through things because of our minds. We go through this. Mental exertion where we're constantly trying to think about how we're going to do things, how we're going to work things out, and we just get tired. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I get tired, I don't want to be bothered. And then when I get really tired, I can really be outright mean. And then when I get really, really tired, I just go to sleep. And if you try to wake me up, you're going to get slapped across the room because I'm tired. Now, I know I'm the only one that kind of goes through those kind of things, so I, I don't mind, you know, putting myself out there because I know y'all, 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 like I said, y'all eating right, y'all exercising properly, y'all getting your 8 to 10 hours of rest a day. I know, I know y'all are good, but I just need to do a little confession, I guess, today to let you know that sometimes discour- <clears throat> discouragement comes. Sometimes I get physically or mentally exhausted, but when those things come, what do we do? What do we do? I'm glad you asked twice because I got some scriptures for you. The first scripture today is going to be 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, the 58th verse. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, the 58th verse. I'm doing the English Standard Version today. And it says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The second scripture that I want to use as a contingency for discouragement and fatigue is Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the first through the second verses. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the first through the second verses. And it says like this. Therefore, since we have we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So how does this become the contingency for discouragement and fatigue? Because it is all about our focus. It's all about what we lock our eyes on and into. When fatigue and discouragement comes our way, it causes us to depress our eyes. And what I mean is we start looking downward. It causes us to look at the situation that has presented itself and make us think that that is the only thing that is going on at that moment. What we used to call that in the military, we used to call that a close target, something that is right there that causes us to think that we have to immediately deal with it. But I will tell you that if we look at these scriptures that we brought up, that if we focus on Jesus, who is the author, which means he started it, he is the finisher he is the perfecter the mature of our faith we stay locked in on jesus and keep our eyes elevated the psalm writer said that we should look to the hills so that means to elevate our eyes to the lord because the lord provides us with help he gives us the help that we need but sometimes if we're not looking in the right location guess what we don't see no help and so as we Understand that in order for me to overcome this mental, uh, physical exertion, this feeling of disheartening or something trying to take my confidence away, I have to lock into what Jesus has done for me, who Jesus is to me and what his goal is for me. He says he wants you to be successful. He wants you to be more than a conqueror. He has given you everything that is pertinent to life and to godliness. But sometimes we can miss it if we don't have scriptures to grab hold of. It allows us to set aside or sidestep. I don't know how many of y'all played football, but uh, there's a trophy in college that goes to who is considered the best college football player for that year. That trophy is called the Heisman Trophy. Now, the significance about this Heisman trophy is this, the stance of the Heisman player. You know how you see how whenever somebody think they're going to get it, they always get into that position. That's the same way that we should be doing sin. When we feel sin is coming at us, we need to push ourselves away and reorient ourselves to go into the direction that God has for us. We don't have to fight sin. We have our fight is with our faith. Our confidence that God is going to be faithful to do what he said he's going to do. So when we start feeling this discouragement, when we start feeling this uh, fatigue trying to attack us, we make sure that we're oriented in the right direction and begin to move the things out of the way so that we can stay focused on what God He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. That means you have to be steadfast. You have to stay focused. Be immovable. Don't let anything change your mindset about what you're going. Keep going forth and doing the things that God has called for us to do. And you will realize that your labor is not in vain. Which means that it has some value. It has some work. One of the things that I tell uh, folks when I'm mentoring them, I say, if they tell me that they they want to be successful, in uh, a, a young man was telling me he, he he's a uh, I messed up. I said he was a rapper, and he corrected me and said he's a lyricist. And then so then we had this discussion. But I don't go down that path right now. But my point was, I said, well, if you are going to be a great lyricist, I got a challenge for you. And he said, well, what is it? I said. Every day, I want you to take five minutes to write. I want you to write a lyric. Just one lyric in five minutes. Can you do that every day? He says, yes, I can do it every day. Next time we met, I said, oh, man, can I see your seven lyrics that you wrote? Oh, oh, uh, oh, that's a little harder than what I thought. And I said, because in the beginning, it looks like you're not having any success. It looks like things are not progressing it looks like things are just not happening but I'm telling you if you continue at it day by day if you just keep going for it month by month you keep going for it year by year you know what most of the successful people don't know when they became successful they just know they're successful it just it just shows up all of a sudden but they They find out and they create these habits whereby they continue to go forward and realize, wait a minute, I'm there. And this is what the scripture is bringing out to us. If we stay focused on doing those godly things, even though everything else looks like it's doing better, going better, I'm going to stay focused on being unmovable. I'm going to focus on doing this work that God has called me to do. I'm going to stay focused on this. And I'm not going to let anything else pull me aside. If something tries to come up, I'm going to do the Heisman on it and just push it aside, continue to move in the direction so that I can accomplish what God has for me to accomplish. And then when I look back over it, I say, wow, I was able to do what God called me to do. Because when this discouragement comes, when this fatigue comes in, it causes us to want To change our focus. Can I talk about my next one? I think this is going to be our last one. But the next thing that will come is fear and threats, intimidation. Fear, threats, and intimidation. Fear is a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, or pain. Whether the threat is real or imagined. Fear is a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, pain, or so forth. Whether the threat is real or imagined. So let's talk threat. Threat is a declaration or is a declaration of an intention or determination to inflict punishment, injury in relation for or conditionally upon some course of action. Threat is a declaration of an intention or determination to inflict punishment, injury, or so forth, in relation for or conditionally upon some course of action. And then uh, the other definition, intimidation. Intimidation is to make timid, feel with fear, to force into or deter from some action by inducing fear. So the thing that we hear about these area, this area is, it's all about dealing with your mind. This one is all about your perception. This is all about how you perceive what has been said, either externally or internally, and causes you not to go forward. Can I give y'all a couple of scriptures for this? The first scripture is going to be Romans the 13th chapter, the 11th through the 12th verses. Romans, the 13th chapter, the 11th through the 12th verses. The English Standard Version says it like this. It says, besides this you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. The next verse, it's going to be 2 Corinthians the 10th chapter, the 3rd through the 5th verses. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, English Standard Version says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Our final scripture is 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter, the 11th through the 12th verses. 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter, the 11th through the 12th verses. It says, But as for you, O man of God, Flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called and about which you were made good, made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Just like dealing with discouragement and fatigue, dealing with fear, threats, and intimidation requires us to know where our focus is located. Because if we lock in our focus, we can ensure that we have victory over fear, threats, and intimidation. Paul also said in uh, first, uh, 2 Timothy, he says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, a power, of a stable, a sound mind. Paul says in the scripture that I gave you, 2 Corinthians, that the battle is not flesh and blood, but it's a mind. We have to go in there and take down the strongholds that have set up into our minds that are trying to pull us down. And causes to lose focus. And that every thought that comes into our minds that we have to make it subject to Christ, which is the word of God. If the thought is not in line with the word, then we let the thought keep on truck. There was a song that said, keep on trucking, baby. So we've got to let it keep on trucking. And so we have to lock in on where. Am I going to lock my focus when this uh, discouragement comes, when this uh, intimidation comes, when this fear, when these threats, when all these things come around me, the bottom line is this. I have to keep my focus on the right thing. Paul tells us in first Timothy he says, fight the good fight against the devil. That's not what he says. He says, fight the good fight against fear. That's not what he says. He says, fight the good fight against intimidation. That's not what he says. He says, fight the good fight of faith. This is one of the things that I have discovered. That sometimes, some things don't need to be addressed. Sometimes, Some things just don't need to be addressed. Why? Because they will take away your time and your energy. If it's so negative and it's going to pull you off of your path, your direction, then why do I even need to deal with it? I need to let what I am doing have more of my energy than I do the thing that's trying to pull me away. And so what I've discovered is that some things will come in our way just to cause us to lose focus. Just try to sidetrack us. Just try to pull us back or pull us down or slow us down so that our timing can be off. Sometimes these things come, this, this fear, this, these threats, and this intimidation come because the enemy knows that if you continue going in the direction that you're going to go in, that number one, it's going to increase your faith. Number two, it's going to cause God to uh, open up more doors for you because you've been faithful over the small things or the few things. And so he says, if you can be faithful over this, then I can now promote you or put you into a position for something greater or something larger. So this is the battle. The battle is for our confidence that God is going to do what he said he's going to do, which is our faith. And then in that same stream of scriptures, 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12, he says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. If we know that we have eternal life, then things of this world will not have a level of precedence that will cause us to pull away from that we know we have eternal life. I'm not going to grab hold of the temporal because I know I got the eternal. If the temporal is something that can help me achieve the eternal, then yes, yes, indeed. But if it has no value to my eternity, then guess what? It's going to stay on the side of the road like you, like that car that you see with the orange sticker on the back of it to get towed away because it's been abandoned. That's the same mentality we have. I'm going to abandon this because this has no eternal significance for my life. So we've taken the, these two sessions, these two episodes to discuss things that will try to come against us as we're moving forward to live this godly life and as we look at how nehemiah handled the business we don't do it the same way nehemiah did it but i just want to point out what he did but what he said was not totally right for what should happen remember in the fourth chapter the first couple of verses. Sam Ballard and Tobias was talking all this noise about them, telling them that they weren't going to be able to accomplish it. And then we get to that fourth verse of the uh, fourth chapter. And and then Nehemiah says it like this. He says, Hear, hear, O our God, for we are despised. He said, Look at them, God. Look at them talking about us. He says, Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in the land where they are captives. See, he's cursing them. He's saying, God, all that stuff, they say, make it happen to them, God. Do it to them. See, some of y'all are like, yeah, that's what, no, no, that ain't, that, ain't the, that that's why I'm bringing it up. That ain't the way you're supposed to be praying. All right? Some folks are like, oh, see, that's not the way. Because our desire is we want God to have mercy, we want God to have grace on them. Lord, they don't know who they're talking about. They think they're just talking about some regular old person. They don't understand I'm one of your children. God, don't kill them in place, God. Right. Show them mercy. But then he also said, Do not cover their guilt in the fifth verse. He said, And let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. He said, Lord, see it and get them. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence. Some of us, when we were coming up, we would go tell our older brother or sister, yeah, and then, and we start adding stuff, right? When somebody got on our nerves, we start adding stuff. Yeah, they said this about you too, and they ain't even said it. And they said they could whoop you, and you know, and, and we get all this stuff built up. And then, so then the other brother and sister getting ready to go over there and handle business, and you know, you done not they there told a big old exaggeration. I ain't gonna say you told a lie. You just exaggerated it. Just because of the line of what they were saying, you could uh, you could presuppose that this is probably additional stuff that they would have said. But what I want to bring out about this, as I said, Nehemiah's our example is they talked about Nehemiah, and remember the first thing that we said is we must maintain our dialogue with God. He had this. Conversation. He had this time that he was talking to God. He said, "God, do you hear what they're saying?" He said, "God, I know you're gonna get them. In fact, God, get them good." He said, "Get them really good. Don't let nothing be here. Get them good, good in front of everybody, God. Just let it all see." Because Jesus came, we 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 don't we don't operate like that. We pray that God's mercy will be upon them because God says vengeance is His. He's gonna repay them. He's gonna do it in His way. And so as we are going through these things that may come at us, as folks are talking about us, folks are trying to intimidate us, folks are trying to do these things. Or even our inner dialogue, when we're talking to ourselves in the mirror, if we start saying some stuff that does not feel right, start using these scriptures that we talked about to talk to yourself. And you've got to say, no, that is not how we're going to operate. This is how we're going to operate. We're going to Keep focused on the hills from which come up our help because our help coming from the Lord who's made heaven and the earth. We're not going to focus on how crazy the situation is. We're going to focus on the victory that God's going to give us when we come through the situation. So that's what we're going to finish up this couple of sessions on today. Maintain your dialogue. Remember, this is not a monologue when you're praying and talking to God. It is not a monologue. It's not you just give God all these things that you want him to do for you. This is this conversation between you and him and that he begins to reveal to you through his word or through sending folks your way or your direction that say things to encourage you to continue this good fight of faith. The fight is not against the devil. The fight is for your confidence that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. One final example. I remember there's, there's been situations where I have, because I have said something, I had to do it. I remember dealing with one of my soldiers back in the day. I said, if you do this, then this is going to happen. I ain't going to, I ain't going to say, say what, exactly what it was, but I said, if you do that, then you're going to cause me to have to do this. And so he did it, but there were some underlying things that made him have to do what, what I told him was going to happen. So he comes to me and says, Sergeant, I know what you told me, he says, and this is, this is what I did. I said, what did I tell you? If you do that, then this is going to happen. He said, yes. He said, that's why I came to you because I, I know what you said. I didn't want to punish the soldier. But because I gave my word, now everybody said, well, you know you don't have to. I said, no. I gave my word. I said that my word is more important to me than that soldier's feelings. I said, I told him this is going to happen. So now I got to do it. Now See, the bad part was because th- what I told him was, if you do this, then we're going to you're going to have to show up at seven o'clock and work from seven to eleven that night to get everything caught back up because we had got behind on some stuff. So the bad part of it was guess who else had to be there from seven to eleven. So I was trying to talk myself out of it, but my word was more important to me than how I felt. And where I'm taking y'all with this is we have to lock in on what God said, His word. It's more important to me than how I feel about the situation. It will be easy if I go with my feelings, but I want to stand on the word, OK? Stand on the word. That's why y'all got all them scriptures over these past couple weeks. Something for you to refer to throughout the week. And next week, we'll be testing you on it to see which one of those ones you remember, all right? So don't skip church next week. Talking about I'ma miss the test. I got your email address. I send it to you, and I got it on video. So don't even try to try to say something. All right, Father, we just want to thank you for this opportunity of understanding what the contingencies are for various things that shall come to try to attack us, to try to pull us off track, to just, will try to deter us from fighting this good fight of faith. We thank you for your word, God, for your word is true. Your word is sure. Your word, God, stands forever. And you said that before your word will not perform or accomplish what you're sending out, that heaven and earth will pass away. So, God, we thank you that your word has credibility, has a guarantee to accomplish all that you have set out for it to do. And as we... Bring this word deeper into who we are and we gravitate greater in a, a more intense way toward your word, that you will continue to lead us and guide us, that you will continue to get the glory in our lives, and most of all, you will increase our faith that you will be glorified. We thank you and we honor you for it all. This word that has been declared today will fall into the good soil of our heart and gain great root. And we honor you for it all in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.